WFYI podcast brought to you by Bloomington, Indiana, an American college town offering food and drink, college sports, outdoor activities, live music, cool art, and good times daily. Everyone is welcome in Bloomington. More information at visitbloomington.com. Mike Pence criticizes the Obama administration on a trip to Germany. Was it really about 2016? The Pacers get a new deal to stay in Indianapolis. Is it fair? The Indiana tax burden, a call for tougher juvenile penalties, and the First Lady conducts an art exchange. That plus a new take on camping at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and more on Indiana Week in Review for the week ending April 18, 2014. Programming is made possible by Ice Miller. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com. AT&T, working to enhance connectivity in Indiana by investing in communication networks. Dedicated to helping Hoosier businesses grow and consumers succeed both at home and at work. AT&T, rethink possible. This week, Mike Pence delved into foreign relations during his trade mission to Germany, and he will come back to new speculation about his plans for 2016. A speech delivered in Berlin is the reason why. Video of it is on the state website. It shows how the governor criticized the foreign policy of the Obama administration when it comes to dealing with Russia before he offered this policy idea of his own. I believe we must take immediate steps to strengthen our mutual security by deploying a robust missile defense in all of Europe, including Poland and the Czech Republic, to protect the interests of all of our NATO allies and the interests of our country in this region. Is that why the governor made Germany the destination for his trade mission? It's the first question for our Indiana Week in Review panel. Democrat John Zodi, Republican Mike McDaniel, John Schwanis, the host of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger, president of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. I'm Wish TV State House reporter Jim Schella. John Zodi, did Mike Pence go to Germany in order to make headlines? I believe he did. I think that the line that was failed to be reported in that speech was, Ich bin ein presidential candidate. He didn't. Uh, he, he, uh, you know, this is absolutely about about 2016. This is the latest uh, iteration in his his movement to uh, raise speculation uh, and keep his focus on where he and his political advisors want it to be, which is on his his future as a possible presidential candidate. Well, if not, there's some interesting irony here. I mean, he he, he made three jobs announcement for a total of a hundred jobs. Yeah. Well, most Asian trade missions are, are much more successful than well, that, aren't they? Let's start with, no, he didn't do this just to make statements about foreign policy. Uh, this is a trade mission. Uh, there are 110 Indiana companies with, from Germany employing almost 2,500 Hoosiers. And uh, to be able to add some to that and to visit with those companies that already employ people here in the hopes that they're going to grow makes great sense to do that. 
but it's not entirely unusual for him to make a comment about foreign policy, considering the fact that this guy spent 10 years on the Foreign Affairs Committee in Congress and in 2009 was very critical of the Obama administration about backing away from putting uh, defensive missiles in the Czech Republic and Poland at the time and said, you know, this is the kind of thing that rewards aggression. And all of nervous, all of Europe is nervous right now about uh, Russia reverting back to their Cold War aggressive ways. And uh, I didn't think it was inappropriate for him at all to make a comment that he made while it's on a trade mission in Germany. I'm not suggesting it's inappropriate. It's certainly interesting. But he didn't make the trip to do that. He went on a trade mission. He okay. does one every year. But at, at the very least, it, it's a twofer. It was a prepared speech. He released copies to the media, including national media, in advance. And on, on his uh, political Facebook page, he published only the foreign policy portions of the speech. I do think, Jim, that's pretty telling. And, and clearly the emphasis when he provided an advance uh, copy and alerted Fox News, among others, uh, national outlets, that this was going to be uh, comments about the situation in the Ukraine and Crimea. Crimea. Um, now, perhaps you would, the cynic would say that's what's going to be more newsworthy, uh, given what's taking place in that region right now, as opposed to uh, you know, 100 jobs. jobs for the state of Indiana. But uh, it probably is both. But I think uh, it's you can't really call it he made a comment. Making a comment is like, oh, that's a nice dress you're wearing right. today. This is clearly uh, something he put a lot of thought into and that his organization, his administration, wanted to make sure that the national audience uh, heard it. All right. And then you put it in the big picture where last week his chief of staff is, is leaving and saying that he's going to go where his career leads. Um, you know, him the week before uh, confirming that he's listened to people who want him to run for president. It's hard not to draw the conclusion that the purpose of this was to gain more attention and to continue to make himself part of that conversation. You know, I don't disagree with his credentials, Mike, but I think he needs to remember that he's the governor of Indiana now. He's not a member of Congress. And as a governor of Indiana, the, the things that he has to say about foreign policy don't carry the same resonance that they would if he were a member of Congress. You are the governor of Indiana. You're there on a trade mission well, but they, to they, talk with they, folks. They do if you're trying to, to yeah, show absolutely. some interest in, in the race for president. That's exactly my point, Jim. But he's still the governor of Indiana, and I think that's the, the job that he needs to, to make people here focus on uh, before he tries to carry out some national aspirations. Yet what his folks will tell you is that a secure Europe helps with Absolutely. foreign trade here in Indiana. Well, that's fine, and of course that's, that's true. Indiana's got a lot of trade interests around the state, but the fact that the news of this trip has now been distracted toward what are Mike Pence's presidential ambitions, regardless of the 110 employers, this is, again, the next step in him last week telling a reporter, we'll make a decision on whether to run for re-election in the next calendar year. He's 15 months into this job, and he, we don't know where he's, he's focused and where he's looking. And I see that as a problem. Well, I, I think the, the legislative agenda for the first two sessions clearly says he's focused on Indiana. He's cut taxes. He's brought new jobs to this state. He's changed the education system in Indiana. I'd say that's focused on Indiana. This is all a bunch of, this is all a bunch of folly. Uh, just because you guys want to talk about this. Unless it's not. It. I mean, we're not, we're not going to know look, for another year or so, right? right but, that, but what's unnormal about that time frame? No, for nothing's, no but what I'm saying is we went, through, we went through this exercise with Mitch Daniels. <laughs> right. And, and it turned out he didn't right. run. Right, right. 
But he's but he's in fact in presidential politics this week. Yeah, I saw he's been named to the presidential <laughs> debate commission. His, his, his tax plan <laughs> helps. Done. His Thank tax you. plan helps the average Hoosier fifty dollars a year. His legislative agenda this year. Really? Let's come John, on, last John, 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 come John, John, what, you, you're against yeah. open tax I'm not against that at all. But Apparently, you, have to, you, you are. Look at it it, it, it might be uh, <laughs> dangerous, though, to suggest that there's something unsavory about uh, comment uh, on international affairs because somewhere in my boxes of files that my wife has tried unsuccessfully to get me to throw out, I understand. There is a uh, an Evan Bayh news release where he blasted as gut when he was governor of Indiana, blasted the Chinese government for its handling of Tiananmen Square. When you have world events, I don't think you can suggest that, that elected officials, just because they're at the state level, You've got a bully somehow, somehow uh, ignore what's happening beyond Especially, them. especially you know, if you're in Europe as nervous as that continent is right now about what the Russians I'm not, are doing. I'm, I'm not saying there's anything inherently it's wrong. It's not inherently wrong, but it's ridiculous, okay? It was ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous. It was ridiculous when Evan Bayh went off on Tiananmen Square, and it's not relevant right now, for unless he's running for president, for the governor to talk about what's going on in Ukraine. Moving on. $164 million over the next 10 years. That's the new deal with the Indiana Pacers that Capital Improvement Board President Ann Lathrop called a bargain. The city and the Pacers both called the deal a win-win. It prevents the NBA team from leaving due to financial losses and allows the city the right of first refusal if owner Herb Simon dies and heirs try to sell the team. In exchange, the city agrees to foot the bill for all operations at Baker's Life Fieldhouse, including at least $32 million in upgrades to things like concessions and seating over the next 10 years. Here is City County Council President Maggie Lewis. I get a lot of calls and emails about the potholes and the and this then the 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 how the roads are looking in our in our city, but those dollars cannot be used for infrastructure. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to put more people to work. We're trying to increase property taxes and all these things, but you have to generate economic activity around that to make sure that you do that so you can pay for the police and the potholes and everything else. Mayor Greg Ballard there, Mike McDaniel, I hesitate to ask you this since you're wearing a pacer colors and a pen, pen, pacer pacer pen. Yeah, Is this the right priority? Absolutely. And this was an important negotiation and important for this deal to be made for not only Indianapolis, but central Indiana and all of, all of Indiana. Uh, you know, this, this is a huge part of the infrastructure of downtown and the economy of Marion County and central Indiana. Uh, the whole idea of building the facilities that we built through the years to drive people to come downtown. This facility brings over a million people to downtown Indianapolis every year between the Pacers, Fevers, concerts, other activities that take place in there, and all the suppliers that go along with making sure the restaurants are supplied, people are eating in those places, parking, printing, all the things that come with it. This is a huge deal. The importance of the 13 years, not only does it lock the two yeah, teams in. 10 and then it's but, three years with options. But that's the, the length of the debt on the field house. So this runs the entire length of the debt that's left on the field house. So this, is, this was a critical announcement. And the money that is used for this couldn't be used for things, other things like infrastructure. So this was a great priority for Indiana. Well, we just heard from Maggie Lewis, who's a Democrat, the mayor, who's a Republican. There's bipartisan support for this. Right, and there should be. I mean, there was a study done, as Mike was talking about, the economic impact. It's important that community, every community, in Indianapolis especially, find our niche. What are we good at? What are we known for? It's sports. It's, con it's conventions. This was a unanimous uh, vote by the CIB. I think it's the right thing to do, and it's a good thing. But deals like this should be examined. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there, there's, there's, uh, and it, and it has been examined. 
I think that the challenge for the administration and for the rest of the folks in city government, though, is to make people understand that this is the money was for this, and they have to find a way to pay for those other critical needs like public safety and the potholes and right. the problems like that. That's their challenge because the, you know the the money that's generated by this and by this activity comes later. So they need to find something in the interim and to help people understand that. All right. So even if this is justifiable, should should the public look on and wonder how they can all come together on something like this without much of an, a, a, a public uh, explanation in advance, and yet they can't come up with decisions on hiring police and fixing potholes? I suppose it's uh, the prerogative of, of members of the public and taxpayers to, to ask the question, but I don't think it's necessarily surprising that there would be a unanimous vote here. I think people, as has been mentioned, recognize that this is uh, the team is critical to the identity that Indianapolis has built. Uh, you can have the best roads in the world, but and I don't mean to be flippant, but if you don't have a destination to, to, to mm -hmm. reason to drive on them to go there, to what end? Um, and I think the, the idea here clearly is to build uh, a money-making machine that, in fact, does provide the tax revenue through the types of ventures right. that Mike described with the ancillary businesses, that you will get those tax dollars. So uh, I think the best thing about it, too, is it's a 10-year, perhaps 13-year deal. Think how much better that is than doing this on an annual uh, basis where it's one or two year deal where you have to go back and have a debate or a fight yeah. uh, uh, more often. You look at cities like Seattle that lost their team right. because they wouldn't build a new Window stadium for them. City. Right. And it's, now they want to build a new stadium, which is another $350 million, and get another team, which is another $500 million to try to get one yeah. back to do what we're doing. And the mayor is hoping that he can get an NBA All-Star game now, which would help make up for some of this. Time now for viewer feedback. Each week we pose an unscientific online poll question in conjunction with our Ice Miller email and text alerts. This week's question is, did Indianapolis give up too much to keep the Pacers? Your choices are A, yes, B, no, or C, it's too soon to tell. Last week's question was, should teacher evaluations be tied to pay raises? 34% said yes, 66% said no. If you'd like to take part in the poll, go to WFYI.org slash IWIR and look for the poll. State and federal taxes were due this week, and a new study shows individual taxpayers in Indiana face a growing tax burden. The Conservative Tax Foundation used figures from 2011 and found the tax burden in this state is 9.5%. That's up from 8.4% a decade ago in 2001. Uh, Indiana ranked 43rd in terms of tax burden. Now the ranking is 22nd, right behind Michigan. John Ketzenberger, is that study meaningful? Um, uh, yes, it has its purpose. But I think it's important to recognize the time frame, first of all, 2001 to 2011. If you think about what was going on, we had the run-up in property taxes because of the uh, change to market value, and we had an increase in the sales tax uh, to offset, help offset some of that. So that raises the numerator on that equation. And then the denominator, which is the per capita income, is down. And so you have less uh, going into that formula. And that helps skew that. The other thing about this study that I think is important is the difference between 22nd and 43rd is very small. The, the states on either end, the less high than, end or the low end, less than 2%. So it doesn't take much of a change in order to have a big jump up or down. So the math was not in the state's favor this time. And in the time since, 
however big it is, we've had a, a, a cut in the state income tax that hasn't yet taken Right, effect. and that hasn't been fully implemented, but I think the, uh, the Pence administration's response to this is that that's precisely the reason that uh, in the past few years the governor has signed, as they put it, $600 million in tax relief to address these, these very sorts of uh, questions. So. Uh, it, it's, as John says, it's an it's a, it's a interesting slice of, of the picture, but it, we won't know for a few years until these things are fully implemented how things uh, will really shake out vis-a-vis -vis other states. It's out of date, at the very least. Well, yeah. I mean, it's 2011. Since then, we've cut or eliminated the inheritance tax, the financial institutions tax, which is important if you want to keep small banks viable in But this state. is about the burden on individuals. I, I know, but my point is yeah. you're trying to create a tax uh, uh, climate here that makes it good. You've got to balance between the services you do and what taxes you put on people. And we uh, cut or are starting to eliminate or cut, I should say, individual income tax and the corporate income tax. So four taxes since 2011, almost $800 million actually in tax cuts since then. But what was important about this was, even as John said, the margin was very small. But even with this, we were the best in the Midwestern states of all our competing states in the current study that you're talking about. Well, we were behind Michigan. No, no we weren't. We're, we're, we're ahead of all of the surrounding states in the Midwest. The only one that was in a better situation on that was uh, Kentucky, but they're not a Midwestern state. So they're not. <laughs> no, they're not clearly in any region you look at. I, I, th I think what we need to go back to, though, is realize that what we do know is that household income in Indiana is lower than it was 10 years ago. This was a major... Uh, metric by which Governor yeah. Daniels r ran well, on. This, this study actually may say more about income than it does well, about Well, right. Taxes. And so the governor, you know, this year was willing to take another billion dollars off the tax rolls, which then yeah. could, could lead to an increase on, on the individual tax burden locally actually, and on local Actually, what they've done with corporate taxes, the corporate tax is the only one that's growing at an kind of steady rate because they've been cutting But them. you have to look about the look It's at the generating income. more money because we're cutting income. it. All right, moving Income's on. lower. An Indiana state senator is pushing for new measures aimed at identifying violent teenagers. It's part of the reaction to the arrest of a 16-year-old for the killing of Nathan Trapezano. Simeon Adams violated his probation nine times prior to the crime, and his probation officer resigned. But State Senator Jim Merritt says the case is just one example of a bigger problem. Something's got to happen, and we've got to instill into the parents some sort of responsibility where they are part of the solution. And, and Merritt hasn't come up, come up with a solid proposal yet, but one of the things he's talking about is maybe a, a, a prison for juvenile offenders who are violent. Uh, some places like Boston have done life sentences for juvenile murderers. John Schwannis, should there be tougher treatment of juvenile criminals? Well, if you use the Boston example, which you pointed out in your report, Jim, if, if I understood the figures correctly, over an eight-year period, you saw the number of homicides uh, in that age demographic go from, what was it, 60, 60 to, zero. to zero. So uh, I'm sure there's, there are nuances. There always are with statistics, but that's a pretty compelling number. I think Senator Merritt's uh, comments reflect a growing concern with uh, the types of crimes we're seeing and the, the people who are committing them, namely younger people, uh, in his district and in other uh, areas across the state. He's, and keep in mind, I don't think this, that Jim Merritt's new to this issue. Prior to last session, he was looking at new uh, proposals to enhance penalties, mandatory penalties for violent crimes committed with guns. 
Um, he has uh, and he's looked at other teen-related bills with the Lifeline expansion, which we could we, that's another topic for another right. day. But I mean, the, when you have the nexus of teens and violence, this is a this has been something of a, a sweet spot for him and his legislative efforts in recent years. Well, what happened in Boston, though, is that they got they got a whole bunch of people together: churches, schools, uh, the health industry. Uh, you know. Preschool and after-school programs. I mean, this is a societal problem. Well, clearly, the violence that we see among young people is one concerning, and two does take uh, the full community's response. You can't just start throwing them in jail and think that you solved the problem because there's a reason why these kids are doing the things that they're doing. And if you don't get to the root of the problem, then you're just going to create another warehouse for people, and you're going to just keep filling it up with young people who are going to grow old in this prison. So I think. Uh, that the approach needs to be holistic, and if they don't do it that way, they're wasting their effort. Well, we've, we've seen a complete rewrite of the criminal code for dealing with adults. Have, have, has there been too little attention uh, given to, to juvenile criminals? Well, I think you just have a host of different problems with, with juveniles. This, in this particular instance, uh, Simeon Adams had, had, uh, had a number of probation violations. He, he, was, he was hooked up with a probation officer. And Clearly so I think the system failed. Well, the, the, uh, there was a failure here. Uh, and so when you're looking at his probation officer and the judge and what you do, whether you charge uh, juveniles as adults, I think there's just a whole different set of circumstances that are involved with, uh, with the juveniles. So it's a whole set of different problems. No easy answers exactly. is what you're saying. Exactly. But they need to be looked at. Absolutely. Yeah. Senator Merritt, uh, I spoke with him about this. He said he's going to have meetings with the public safety leadership uh, in this community along with the clergy uh, and some other uh, people involved so that they can come to some general ideas on how to approach this next session. But some things he's interested in are automatic fingerprints and mug shots of all juvenile offenders, uh, laws like we have in other states where the parents have to either go to counseling, parental counseling, either be fined or actually serve jail times themselves. Uh, these are if pretty dramatic. If the probation. kids, if the kid, and these are pretty dramatic steps sure for Indiana, they but they will happen next session. Indiana First Lady Karen Pence delivered a miniature copy of Robert Indiana's love sculpture to a museum in Cologne, Germany, this week. Photos on the state website show the art exchange with a museum in the sister city of Indianapolis. Mrs. Pence also delivered a banner made by schoolchildren in Columbus to its sister city, Lerna. She told us about it in an interview over an Internet hookup. It was so interesting because we met with teachers who do exchanges. It was so interesting to walk up to people, to be able to walk up to someone in Germany who leans in and to me and says, I love Indiana. John Zodi, how unusual is it for the First Lady to be part of a foreign trade mission? Not unusual at all. I say good for her. This is what we need to be talking about in trade missions in addition to economic development. She's talking about Indiana. The governor wasn't, so I say good for her. <laughs> she, the governor talked about Indiana quite all a week. bit. Yeah, all week. Main speech. All week. She, yeah. she is a pretty good representative. Absolutely. It's superb. She's an artist herself, a very accomplished artist, and uh, this is a good idea, and she is going to be a powerful ambassador for this state for a long time. They, uh, they have more of a, a, a team approach to this than most governor and first lady, though. That's true. Uh, I don't know if it's more or less, but I'll, I'll echo what's been said, that it's healthy. The more people you can throw into the, the proposition of advancing Indiana's profile around the, the world, and, and, it, and this also reminds us that art... And if it were music and literature, these are things that, that cross uh, borders and often are great unifiers 
uh, when, when, even at times of political strife. You know, I will say, despite my misgivings about the governor's speech about foreign affairs, I thought that this was a very disciplined and a very productive. I liked that they took a, a limited number of people. Uh, they had a good itinerary, and it looks like they had a, a good plan, and so it worked out really yeah, well. And not paid for taxpayers. I, I, I think. Well, right. I still think that if you're going to go out on behalf of the state, you think it's a good idea, right. then pay for it. And you get criticized for it. Paid well, for I it won't criticize donations. them. All right. Finally, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway had a few overnight guests camp out in style this week. It's a new concept for this year's race called Glamorous Camping, or Glamping for short. The Speedway set up eight tents for people to try it out, and it got good reviews. Here's Speedway President Doug Bowles. The idea behind it is that you show up to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and everything's taken care of for you, and it's a little bit higher level camping, so it is great beds, good mattresses, great linens. It actually felt pretty much like home in there, or a nice hotel. So other than the temperature, it was a pretty good night. <laughs> yes, right. Mike McDaniel, you up for that? Absolutely. This sure beats sleeping in a car like I've done out there more than one occasion <laughs> when I was in high school and college. So yeah. I'm all up for glamping. I think, I, look, this is this is part of the ongoing. Did you see the price tag? I did not see the price tag. I think it ranges from 600 to $1,100. I, I can't wait to hear how it went for you. No, <laughs> I, think, I think the Speedway's doing some remarkable marketing things, and this is another example does, of that. That does include tickets for the race and yeah. carb day. There you go. That's worth yeah. There is an accuracy issue, though. They say this is the first time people have slept in the infield. I guarantee <laughs> I have seen. I, I think they were sleeping, but I, they, were in a, they were in a prone yeah, state yeah, many, yeah. many times uh, a, over the it, years. So. It, it's a <laughs> lot different than the snake pit. You should do your next show. Do it, you can yeah. tape from one of the tents. Yeah. I'll think about it. That's Indiana Week in Review for this week. Our panel is Democrat John Zodi, Republican Mike McDaniel, John Schwannis of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute, if you'd like a podcast of this program. You can find it at wfyi.org slash podcast, or starting Monday, you can stream it or get it on demand from Xfinity or Bright House Networks. I'm Jim Chella of Wish TV. We'll see you again next week. Programming is made possible by Ice Miller. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com. AT&T, working to enhance connectivity in Indiana by investing in communication networks. Dedicated to helping Hoosier businesses grow and consumers succeed both at home and at work. AT&T, rethink possible. Thank you.